Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. We are wound down, I guess, by now. Even the Arizona season is over. And uh, that means let's look ahead. In fact, I asked that question recently on social media, and we're going to talk a little bit about the answers to that. Well, we're going to talk a lot about them. Your priorities are dog training to a great degree. So uh, that is the discussion topic today. I'll be touching on some suggestions that you might want to take into account as you start working on your dog for next hunting season. By the way, he's working on you too. So uh, you'll see what I mean as we get deeper into this discussion. My view on what a dog wants from us and from life is today's topic, but we'll cover some other things as well. The other goals you have for the off-season, the Upland Nation puzzler question, and a prize. And it's all made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels, Happy Jack Dog Care Products, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, and Mid-Valley clays and shooting school well um apropos of the topic for today i thought we would uh, start with a, a just a fascinating insight and again maybe almost a little pat in the back to flick for this work we were uh, chasing quail in a spot i know that i uh, share with a good friend we discovered the hard way went all the way over the ridge and back down on a road that wasn't fit for a mule train, let alone for my pickup truck. But we made it, survived, and found an easier way out. woo But um, this time around, it was just me and Flick, and uh, Bird got up wild in front of me. Flick was nowhere near it. He was working another covey, it turned out. But I um, shot it out of uh, self-defense, if nothing else. It dropped. I thought I'd marked it pretty good. I'm going to work with That's one of my goals for this year. Um, thought I marked it pretty good, uh, went over toward where it was, whistled Flick into it, sent him in with the dead bird command. Um, he's been working hard at that one. It's kind of related to the NAVDA duck search, except that it's on dry land and we do a lot of it in the, in the, in the fields behind our place. And uh, he gets the idea, and the point I'm getting to is that um, if a dog knows and trusts that you have actually given him a good reason to do what he wants to do, in this case, find a dead bird, then he probably will apply himself with vigor and vim. And he did. In fact, it was fascinating to watch. He systematically went from bush to bush, and these are head-high sage and uh, some other uh, shrub I'm not familiar with. Um, he worked it pretty darn hard and he was working it in a way that I was amazed at because that's all instinct after that. Once you give the command, he's using his nose and his experience, but it, uh, it wasn't paying off. He was finding nothing. So I thought, uh, well, maybe I need to broaden the search a little bit. You know, I think I'm a pretty bad shot. And so maybe I just winged that bird and it hit the ground running. And so I backed out a little bit farther and kind of leaned to the right so that he got the message. And he kind of leaned to the right and started snuffling around, you know, another 8, 10, 15 yards over. And pretty soon he is obsessed with one single sagebrush. 
and it is so thick. I'm looking at it, and he's working it. He's going around and around and trying to penetrate it, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I could go in too and help out. Then I thought, well, if he can't get in there, I sure as heck can't get in there. So I just let him work, and he had enough incentive because by then he'd gotten a whiff of that bird and sure enough that quail was hunkered down right against the trunk of that thing i could barely see one eye and nothing else flick finally found a way to tunnel in and then fight the rest of the brush as he got through and grabbed that bird brought it right back handed it over so what did i do i gave it right back to him let him trot around with that thing. Uh, Bob Ferris calls it parading, and I don't mind. That's okay by me. He deserved it. You know, a minute or two of inhaling that incredible scent, tasting and feeling those feathers and the bird smell on there. It was worth it for a guy that had worked that hard for me. We'll cover that and a few other things coming up in just a moment. First, let me remind you that we are brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, crafted at the highest caliber. Have you signed up for the mailing list yet? Well, that's where you're going to get first notice of the rare sales that Fred Bohm puts on at sageandbreaker.com, just like it sounds, and named after two bird dogs. Fred, you have great taste. You'll also see all the new products out there, including the firearms grease I've been talking about so much. Use it all the time. Some surfaces on your gun need grease. Others need something else. And Fred has that covered too with his CLP. It's a lighter formulation. You spray it on as opposed to the grease which you smear on with your fingertip, your trigger finger, just to make sure you get it in the right place. Learn more about all those products and everything else he offers in the gun care game at sageandbreaker.com. And if you need a gun to put that grease and that CLP on, go to legacysports.com. Pointer shotguns reside there. Legacy Sports brings in a number of grades and a number of models of over and under and semi-automatic shotguns, including a youth model with a length of pull of just 12 and a half inches, perfect for a newbie in the game, chambered in 20 or 410, comes with 26-inch barrels. And you know, all of those guns are available in a number of colors. Yeah, all the gunmetal can be Cerakoted in a number of different colors just to add to the cool factor. Learn more about pointer shotguns at LegacySports.com. So over the course of the next few months, considering what you all really want out of the off-season, I think I'll start... Um, you know, sharing my thoughts, suggestions, some observations. Maybe they'll prompt a couple, you know, thoughts of your own and inspire you to work more closely or in a different way with your dog so that next season everybody's on the same page and everybody is working towards the same goal. More birds in the bag, starting with more birds in the dog's mouth. You know how important that is. It's critical well, let's just get started. You know how fascinating they are. That's why we go. 
You know, everybody tells me the reason they hunt birds is to watch their dog work. And that dog work can be mystifying and magical and everything else in between. The most interesting part of it to me is how they think. And, and maybe think is the wrong word for animals that uh, really are, are working in a, on a, to most of us, a more primitive level of fang claw, action, reaction, instinct, whatever you want to call it. But we know those dogs are using logic and applying reason. They're solving complex problems like that um, dead bird search I just described. And uh, they have a language. And we need to figure out what that language is, maybe speak it sometimes, teach them our language a little bit. But knowing that they think differently from us is probably the most important part of this discussion. Every time you work with your dog, put yourself in his paws once in a while and and see if you don't agree that uh, the guy, you know, he's he's brilliant in his own way, but he could use your help. And the best way to provide that is to think like a dog. All right, let me start at the very basics, because we're going to take this all the way out to perfection or close to perfection. I remember Vince Lombardi many years ago. If you're that young, ask your dad who Vince Lombardi was. He's, he, he put over the locker room, uh, perfection is unattainable, but in pursuit of perfection, we can achieve excellence. And that's what we're after here. And any dog can rise to that level if we think like they think, and we help them in the ways that they need help. First is why a dog will work for you at all. So have you ever had a lousy boss? You know, the guy that is always berating you, badgering, yelling, criticizing. Praise? Never heard of it. What about the opposite? Maybe you had a scoutmaster, a coach, a teacher, a neighbor. Maybe your own parents were supportive, uh, soothing demeanor, uh, mutual, mutual respect and positive reinforcement. Even criticisms were constructive. Well, who would you rather work for? Your dog's thinking that every day. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked to Todd Agnew, one of those great spaniel trainers we all would love to work with someday. And he, he made a very clear point to me, and that was those dogs don't need more criticism. They don't need more correction, especially younger dogs. They need more reinforcement of the posi positive reinforcement of the, the behaviors you want. And the dog is thinking this every time you ask him to crash his way into a bush or swim through icy water or just find a dang bird that's up the hill too far for most of us. So, you know, th think about why your dog might work for you. I'm not saying you should kowtow or suck up to your dog. In fact, that's probably the wrong thing to do. Dogs function best when they know their boundaries and they know you're in charge in the house, in the yard, the field. It's always you. Now, being in charge is not the same as being a dominating, abusive character. Being in charge is a leadership role, not a threatening role. So if you are establishing uh, that kind of a uh, relationship early on, setting up the chain of command, then 
uh, your dog is going to glom onto that and respect and cooperate with you uh, way more so than if they fear you and your tactics. Likewise, discipline applied correctly, instruction melded with encouragement, or correction done with restraint and sensitivity will engender in your dog a sense of fairness. Yeah, I think they believe that. I think they have a fundamental gene somewhere in their DNA that says, yeah, I get it. He's mad at me for this, and he's going to help me do better, as opposed to arbitrary um, discipline, aggression, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, translate to your thumb on the collar button, your tone of voice, or anything else. But your dog will probably, just a suggestion, probably work better for you when he respects you, he trusts you, you're consistent, and you look at him as, at least in the field, an intellectual equal. So, what is the incentive? Why does a dog want to bother working with you? Well, you've heard me say it before, but Brad Higgins uh, out of uh, Nevada, great trainer, um, said it best. A dog is a bird dog. He wants birds. We'll get to that in a minute. You know, the things that motivate us, overtime pay, vacations, bonuses, probably not high on the list. There's an evolving menu of rewards you can use to encourage and compensate your dog for his good work. You know, George Hickok said, you know, this and this and this and this are paychecks for the dog. Well, we're going to talk more about those kind of paychecks. When to give them, how to pay them off, and when to withhold those so that you get the right behavior. And bear in mind, it's a two-way street. The dog's only going to work with you if he knows that he's going to uh, receive a paycheck of one sort or another. And he's not going to work with you for very long or in a very encouraging, spirited way if he's working based on fear of some sort of correction or discipline. Now, there are a lot of things a dog loves or wants to happen to him or that he wants to do as a reward. Things he wants to put in his mouth or roll in or what, whatever, whatever turns you on, as we said in the 60s. Uh, ironically, the one that is given short shrift most of the time in our training is, is a simple one based on what he is, a bird dog. I know it's hard. I just spent another 100 bucks on pigeon feed, but at least I have a pen full of pigeons to start with. He is a bird dog. He lives, breathes, and well, sometimes he does eat birds, too. I don't have a problem with that, frankly. Sometimes that's the best thing to do. And, and if you listen to the podcast, you know there are trainers who will go so far as to feed their young dogs quail. It is his entire reason for living. He's a predator to a great degree. His prey is birds to a great degree. We're just bringing out the best in that regard when we work with our bird dog. First observation, 
What do we do when he does his job right? We put a bird on the ground, he grabs it, brings it back to us. What do we do? Take it away. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Long ago, probably on uh, Buddy or even before that, Yankee, I learned that uh, unless that dog is chomping and chewing and trying to swallow that bird, let him hold it for a couple minutes. What's the damage? None. If you need to, of course, you can keep him on a check cord or hold his collar while he's holding the bird. But why not let him savor it for a little bit before sending him for the next one? Let him just drink in that smell and taste, even the texture of the feathers on his tongue. I mean, for a bird dog, that's got to be incredible. I don't know what the human analogy might be. Can you think of one? Maybe it's that first bite of 45-day dry-aged filet mignon. Rare. Yeah, let him take a victory lap if you trust him not to swallow the bird. What the heck? Parading is okay in, in my yard and in my, my field. But uh, just so he understands you're not going to grab it right away, often, if you haven't established that bond yet, that trust, just put your hands in your pocket. Sit down or turn a little bit away from him so he knows you're not going to immediately lean over and grab that thing away. And even when I take it, and I don't remember who started this with me, some great pro guide somewhere along the way. When I go to touch the bird, I touch the bird while it's still in his mouth, and I leave my hand still and let him understand that I'm not just yanking it out immediately. Give him another minute to savor it, and then he'll understand. And really, he'll just willingly give it back. Why will he do all that for you? Because the next thing you're going to do is cut him loose again so he can find another one and another one and another one. This is the opposite of the vicious circle. Well, um, that's the why, at least in my humble opinion. We'll talk about a few other things along those lines in terms of uh, other incentives, paychecks, if you will. And then we'll um, go beyond all the uh, tangible stuff coming up as we continue on the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Go ahead, take a moment, have a cup. Come on right back. I'll be here when you get back. And let's not forget, we have the Upland Nation puzzler question a crack at a prize, and your thoughts on your other priorities for the offseason. It's all coming up here on the Upland Nation podcast after this. We're brought to you by HappyJackInc.com, HappyJackInc.com. Manning and Joe Exum may save you a trip to the vet once in a while. If your dog is slowing down, maybe not coming out of the crate as fast as he or she used to, not jumping up or jumping down the way they used to. Uh, don't get me started on the jumping part. But anyway, those may not be because they're tired. It may be because they have arthritis. You know, dogs won't show pain until it's incredibly intense pain. 
They will simply slow down in the field, in the house, in all of their actions. If your dog is slowing down, you may want to consider that it's arthritis. If that's the case, simple, easy, start down the road to more freedom and less pain. Happy Jack's Flex Enhance Plus. With creatine and glucosamine, among other things, it does to them what those things do to, hey, me, I'm taking the same thing. Not Flex Enhance Plus, but the human version, and it's working. So go to the website, happyjackinc.com, find a nearby retailer, or buy direct at happyjackinc.com. And if he is coming out of his crate a little slow, it may be something else. It may be because he loves his rough land kennel so much. RUFFLandKennels.com. Learn more about their performance crates. You know, they pioneered that technology. Search for a dealer nearby on their website. And if you've got an SUV and you're kind of stuck for space back there, they've got a special model of their Roughland kennel just for you. Got a slant back and a kind of a little, I don't know what to call a little tooth, if you will, that snugs up against the front seats and locks in place. So you're saving space, but giving your dog as much room inside that kennel as possible. Rufflandkennels.com. You know, a lot of this stuff uh, I've talked about, written about before at my um, website, findbirdhuntingspots.com. Go there, click on the uh, topic, Your Bird Dog, and you'll get a lot of this uh, sort of advice in bits and pieces. Uh, nothing to this degree of detail, but um, well worth taking a look at, especially if you're looking for something in particular there find birdhuntingspots.com or just keep listening here we're going to make this a series over the next few months talking about why a dog will work with you and we talked about the number one reason what is it he's a bird dog he wants birds okay sometimes that's easier said than done and sometimes it's not the right thing in terms of a reward as compensation paycheck again their next highest priority as predators and scavengers, we all know that, we've seen it in action, their next priority is food. Dogs, yeah, maybe you've learned this the hard way, and hey, I've got some stuff on that in findbirdhuntingspots.com as well. They'll swallow almost anything they can fit in their mouth that might resemble food to them. Yeah, at our house, it starts with socks, gloves, roadkill, rocks, underwear, you name it. Like I said, there's a solution for that. Go to your bird dog at the website. <laughs> but anyway, they will work for food, even though they can't hold up the little cardboard sign that tells you that. So what do you use? Well, the, the bottom line is whatever your dog loves, you know, and the, and the obedience trainers will call that stuff high value rewards. You know, not just a piece of dog food. Heck, they get that once or twice a day. Anyhow, something with a little bit more panache, a little bit more allure, something that stinks a little bit more, but is still safe. 
bits of hot dog are perfect. They smell good. They're easy to find. And more importantly, they swallow them fairly quickly without having to chew too much. And I, I, I remind you of that because quite often you're using these treats early on in a dog's um, a training career. So you want that dog ready to do something again fairly quickly instead of losing his train of thought by having to gnaw on something for 10 or 20 seconds. Bits of hot dog, experiment with other things. Uh, sometimes peanut butter is a good one. Just make sure you get the peanut butter that does not have any artificial sweeteners in it. Everything in portable fingernail-sized pieces. Put them in something that won't stain your pocket but is still handy because you don't have but a second and a half or so to provide that reward if you're using the reward process. That's the joy of a clicker, as Todd Agnew pointed out to us again a couple weeks ago. Clicker is immediate. <laughs> Happens the moment the right behavior takes place. Soft food's better than crunchy. You know, you get the idea. I've talked about that. Um, if it's hot and you're training, uh, what would be an appropriate reward out there in the field? Yeah, you're right. Water. Sometimes water works better than food. If you're carrying one of those, uh, you know, 21st century Boda bags or even the old-fashioned wineskin style, teach your dog to drink from a Boda. You know, that squirt idea. Then you can both get water from the same source. Of course, the caveat here is there are foods that are harmful to dogs that you might be carrying around in your hunting vest or your backpack or whatever. Make sure you go through the list of harmful foods, toxic in one way or another. That's also at findbirdhuntingspots.com. So check out poison and you'll find it right there. But Shakespeare... And I'm informed the Bible before him pointed out a long time ago. Man nor dog lives by bread alone or hot dogs or dog biscuits or anything else. Sometimes food treats are not the best. Sometimes I don't have a hot dog. <laughs> and if there's only one pretzel left... And there's beer in my glass. I'm not giving that up either. Some folks will give the next best thing. If you're hunting, part of a bird. I'm on the fence about that one for a bunch of reasons. You know, I really don't want to encourage a dog to eat the bird, especially the moment he brings it back to me and, and is still kind of in that hunting mode. But some folks will do that. There are other ways to do it as well, but more often than not, it may be something less tangible. The personal touch, literally. Often it's the perfect payoff for a stellar bit of dog work. Think about this. Dog does well as a puppy. His mom's going to come over and lick him, smell him. He's going to nuzzle up next to her. Maybe he's going to get fed, whatever it is. He seeks the same thing from his litter mates. Touch is critical to a dog. Learn how to touch your dog in ways that are pleasurable to him. And that will, that will serve you well when you run out of dog treats. If nothing else, then that was a good emphasis. Thank you, phony sound effect. 
All right. So where do you do that? Scratch behind the ear. Rubbing the chest. Very welcome. Slow stroke down his backbone. You know you're doing it right if you arch your back. If he arches his back, you can arch your back too. If he arches his back to match your hand's pressure, you've scored. Every dog is different. In fact, that's a good Facebook question. I'll ask that sometime down the road. What kind of a touch does your dog, well, what would he kill for? Or at least retrieve for? Verbal? Works for me. If you're using a clicker, of course, you got that part covered, but there's no, no shame in telling a dog he's a good boy over and over and over. Yeah, as I've been reminded recently, the tone of voice is critical. As I've mentioned maybe, well, quite a while ago, sometimes baby talk is as good as any other, baby nonsense talk works as well as anything else. If you need one, use a catchphrase. If you watch the show, you know around here it's, you're the best. The dog knows what you mean. You could read from the dictionary if you read it in the right tone of voice. I don't think that really matters. But be consistent. Simple is better. Shorter is better. And avoid using your dog's name when you're praising because uh, you got other uses for that. We'll cover those down the road as well. And um, so uh, what else can you do to reward your bird dog for um, great work? Or yeah, and great work in the field, in the yard, training situation or obedience or anything else. FaceTime. It's not a business speak cliche anymore. It's not even just a way to communicate with people electronically. Think about a dog... You watch any of those National Geographic specials, you watch the wild dogs bringing food back from their hunt to the pups in the in the cave, in the den. Well, the first thing the pups do is come up to their dam and lick their face. Of course, in that case, it's in hopes of some sort of regurgitated food. And most of the time, you don't need to go that far. But the first half of the transaction is is probably as good as anything else. Let your dog get some face time with you. Bring it right up there. Now, I don't encourage this for strange dogs and strange people and little kids of any sort, but if you know your dog and your dog knows you, you can get right in his face and vice versa. You know, anybody who doesn't let their dog lick their face once in a while should probably buy a cat. Don't forget, the opposite of reward is correction. Simply being around you is what your dog wants sometimes. And that might be the most subtle and the most effective correction tactic sometimes. For example, Flick is still to the point where he thinks every time we go for a run out in the fields behind our place, it's a hunting trip. So he gets frantic and circles and jumps and running back and forth uh, the moment I approach the gate. So now what I do is I turn around and go the other way. He's still at the gate waiting to go, but I'm not there. So he's going to think about that a moment. And you can almost see the light bulb go off. He's going to think about that and then come back 
and settle a little and walk at heel back to the gate the next time. Same for dog that jumps on you. There's a whole lot of ways to maybe correct that. One of them is don't give them that face time. That's what they're after quite often there. Not always, but sometimes. Turn around. Don't let them see your face. Temporary banishment can be as effective as any e-collar. Now the biologists uh, will tell us the only reason dogs were domesticated and the only reason they work with us is number one, because we're the route to more birds, and two, because way back in the day, we arrested their development. Domestic dogs, some will argue, have never progressed beyond puppyhood. They want your attention. They want positive reinforcements. They want contact with the alpha pack member in their lives. That's what they live for. In the wild world, you know, coyotes and wolves and dingoes, they, they have other priorities. They, they evolved past all that. But our dogs are puppies. They have fundamental needs and we can meet them. We do attract more flies with honey than with vinegar, and the same holds true when we're working with our dog. You know, I ask every pro trainer, how much praise he delivers compared to the number of corrections? The average is about seven praises to every correction. So in other words, be positive, focus on the good behaviors, ignore or downplay, or if you need to, when you need to, correct the undesirable undesirable behaviors. I want to thank George Quinlan in advance for uh, flipping the light switch for me way back on my first wire hair. George, this is for you. George had all of us in his class do a drill that I think is worth mentioning here. Now, stay with me here for a moment because this one is just, it's, it's mind-bogglingly simple, but it also makes the point. Take another human being designate them as the dog. Now, imagine somewhere in that room you've hidden a treat and you want your dog, the other human, to find it. For the first two minutes, all you can tell that dog is no, or whatever your correction word is, when he's going the wrong way. After two minutes, flip-flop that and only say good dog when he's going in the right direction. In the third, use both your correction word and your praise word. Now, which is going to work best for you? Yeah. Stay positive. Seven praise to one correction. Finally, Speaking of praise, how many times, and we all fall for it, and our dogs encourage us to. Praise is not a release. Good boy shouldn't be go hunt or okay or whatever word you use to release a dog. 
we'll get into more of those kind of uh, the vernacular of training later. But suffice it to say, good boy should be praise and you should have another word to release him to do whatever you want him to do next. It could be just go away or it could be start hunting again. Give a pause between the praise and the next release word. That's the simplest way to make it clear to everybody. And remember, we're training ourselves as much as we're training the dog. That makes it real easy for us to distinguish between the praise part of the transaction, the wait until I give you another command, and then go. Have a release word. I mentioned that. Um, it could be anything you want. Go play, or all right, or okay, or high on, whatever you want the dog to do next. And finally, that command to go hunting again is often reward enough for most dogs. So just insist that the dog stand still until the first command is completed. Pause. And then move on. Boy, I sure enjoy sharing these with you. I hope you do too. And if you do, please tell everybody else. They can always listen to this over and over again or not. In future podcasts, we'll uh, move further along in our relationship with our dog. And all of that, of course, is dedicated to achieving peak performance for both of you in the field. I'll have the new Upland Nation Puzzler question and prize and a survey of what else we're trying to accomplish out there this off-season coming up after this brief break for two commercial messages. Dr. Tim's National Performance... What did I say? Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food is available nationally. Just go to drtims.com, get in on the deal, 30% off your first order, just use the code UPLANDNATION. They'll deliver it right to your door, as they do mine. There's a formulation out there for every dog at every life stage and with every sort of sensitivity. Flick is on momentum all year round. It's a pretty high protein, pretty high fat, but his metabolism, man, I wish I had it. Then I wouldn't have to be on my own diet. Learn more about the ingredients Tim Hunt uses in his food and why he uses them and why it's so important this time of year to start getting your dog back into condition, building those muscles and bones right back so that he can get, literally hit the ground running. D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. And if you're shopping for a new shotgun, consider Mid Valley clays.com i know it's hard to find the gun you you really want and if you really want one of those old favorites the browning a5 well they got some new models at midvalleyclays.com and they have a special relationship with the folks at browning that means they may have a gun you can't find anywhere else new features new camo treatments Think about all the things you want out of a shotgun. The A5 from Browning may have it. Back boring technology makes the recoil just a little bit lighter. If you're looking for a new A5 from Browning, go to midvalleyclays.com. Talk to Dave Fiedler and tell him what you're looking for. And that part of the show 
was brought to you by FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. New material every week. This week, are you that guy at training days or other events that, um, you know, uh, maybe uh, needs a little talking to? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not you, but it's somebody you know. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Uh, Thank you for uh, being with me and would appreciate your recommending the podcast to your friends. If they're all about dogs and bird hunting and the things that matter to you and me, they're probably going to uh, learn something and enjoy this one as well. Time for the Upland Nation puzzler. That's the trivia question that if you answer correctly, could get you one of my signature series comfort collars. Message me on any of the Facebook pages. If you need to, go ahead, research this question. I don't mind. I'm just looking for correct answers. Maybe you'll learn something while you're digging it up. Oh, hey, go to your dog anatomy pages and tell me where on your dog is the occipital protuberance. Where is the occipital protuberance extra points if you use it in casual conversation tonight at the tavern looking forward to your correct answers at the end of february i'll uh, be awarding that comfort collar and this might be my favorite part of the show uh when we talk both directions uh, quite often i'll ask you a question on my upland nation insights newsletter I learned something, and uh, my question last, uh, oh, a couple newsletters ago was, what do you want to learn? What's your highest priority for next, for, for next season? And the answer's fascinating. One reason we're kicking it off with this podcast topic today, 30% of you want to train your dog to the next level. 24% of you want to find new hunting spots. We'll talk more about that as well. Don't worry. And then in no particular order, 10% of you want to get a puppy. 14% want to improve your shooting. 8% want to help a new hunter in some way. And 6% of you are shopping for a shotgun as we speak. Hey, if you fill out those polls uh, almost every week in the newsletter, thank you very much. And, and if you have a friend who might enjoy that newsletter, it's full of good stuff. Uh, don't, uh, don't hesitate to forward it. There's a little thing at the bottom that says forward to a friend or something like that. So feel free to do that. Well, I'm so glad you could join me. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell your friends. Stick around on one of the Facebook pages, Wing Shooting USA, Upland Nation, or my own Scott Linden page. Talking there every day, asking questions, and hopefully getting some good answers from everybody. Thank you if you left a rating or a review, including Dorn's Deal. Sure appreciate the kind words and the five stars. I'm Scott Linden, your host here at the Upland Nation podcast, and uh, this was seen on a sweatshirt by a gal who probably knows her way around the outdoors world. Pretty simple and, uh, you know, I appreciate it. Dogs over dudes. All right. 
with that, I'll thank you again for listening. If I don't see you beforehand in the field, I'll talk with you next week right here.